Welcome to the Loveworks Here podcast. This is Sean York. And this is Hannah Gorham. All right. That was new. That was good. Yeah. Hannah, how was your week? It was good. In a good old game of highs and lows. I don't know. It was all highs, I think, this week. We have a fun day tomorrow. Beach day. Beach day. That's going to be a fun outing. Yeah. Both stores. It is one of like the ones you have to do every year. Yeah. Christmas party and beach day. You got to do it. Yep. I think there's going to be a good turnout too. Yeah. Such a timely thing to be talking about. Yes. We are actually going to be talking about similar stuff today. This is uh, episode five. Oh my gosh. Pillar number three. Pillar number three, family. We're going to talk about family. And people will love their job more if they're spending time with people they love to be around. That's pretty, it's nothing counterintuitive about that. That's pretty straightforward. So our goal is to create the environment where people become lifelong friends because they start as strangers. How quickly can we get them to get to know each other and to rely on each other and build trust with each other so they become lifelong friends? And there are things that we can do to expedite that. So I want to say a few things though first, okay? Uh, I will say this. Thank you for emails. I've gotten like an email or a text or something almost every day. Yeah, and thank you, thank you, thank you. It's really cool. It's really encouraging. Uh, I really appreciate that. I have been told to tell you to rate and review this podcast. Yes, we're new to this whole thing, but we hear it's important. <laughs> I heard that, that there's something about that. <laughs> and they said that it will introduce more people to our material. Yes, this is the part where we ask for grace and only five stars. <laughs> If you have the ability to give six, then do so. <laughs> we need it. But we'll settle for five. <laughs> there have been uh, a few times. I'm going to say this. Uh, if you are part of a team, I will say this to everyone listening. If you are listening to this and you are part of a leadership team or you have a team around you and you have valued anything that you've heard, I would recommend strongly that you pass this along to your leadership team. And here's why. There are times that I'm reading a book and I get into a book in like the first chapter and I go, oh my gosh, this book is like challenging everything I believe and this is like a profound topic. The first thing I do, I stop and I buy two more copies of the book. And I get how the, I end up with all my reading yeah. material. <laughs> Hannah gets one and then Christine gets the digital copy because I, I can't do this alone. If it's going to challenge me this much, I'm going to need to make sure that the team is with me on this journey. So if you've heard anything worth implementing, share this with them and change will happen faster if you have more people on the journey with you. I promise you that. So the next two episodes, the first two episodes we talked about were all about solving tension. There was tension in the business and if you solve it, then you open the door for trust and you give love a fighting chance. The next two episodes, family and higher purpose, are more about putting love into, it's doubling down on love, it's doubling down on all these things that are great. It's now that we've cleared out the tension, now that everybody has a path and they're moving forward and they're excited, now let's come in and add love and, and, and make lifelong friends out of people. So this is exciting. We'll talk about this today. I'm going to tell you right now, this might be a long episode. I want to break it up into two episodes, but I'm not going to do that. I told them it wasn't a thing. Yeah. Apparently that's episode five A and B <laughs> is not a thing. That's cheating. Okay. So let's get right into it. This is episode five, a family. I love my job. High volume, fast food, 160 employees. It is a pressure cooker and it gets crazy. But I truly believe that it's possible to build a business where everyone loves their job. 
It sounds impossible. And when I first started this business, it was. I'm not the extrovert or the social butterfly. I'd rather be building systems and crunching numbers on Excel. But I decided to stop making excuses of why I couldn't and start utilizing my love for systems to build a better culture. Today, I call it the York Framework, but it's really just a collection of systems designed to make a better workplace and make people happier. I'm going to share all the mistakes I've made so that you don't have to make them. And we'll look for new problems to solve along the way. I'm Sean York and love works here. So let's talk about outings. That's the first thing on this list. And it's timely that we were talking about beach day because in the beginning, when I first started this, we would do a Christmas party and the Christmas party was the thing to go to. Like everyone wanted to go to the Christmas party. And eventually we started doing a beach day. And then it was those two were like the Christmas party and the beach day. That was like the two funnest things. So just to clarify, because I have stumbled into this question at orientation an outing is simply a gathering of the whole team. Everybody's invited, 50 plus people. It's not required. No, and they don't get paid to show up. That's right. (laughs) And actually, it was funny when we took over Hidden Valley, we said, I said, hey, if this is going to be, you know, maybe a little bit different than you've done before, we're going to do outings, we're going to do a park day, and we're going to do a beach day. And one of the girls said, do we have to go? And I said, no, you don't, (laughs) nobody has to Good, because I don't think anybody's going to want to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. And so we had a park day. And in that first event that we did, there was more people that went to that one than I think any event in like 10 years. And so it was like wildly successful. So I knew that there was like a hunger for it. But there's a story. So we had hired this guy and he'd become, he had come in recommended by our current training director. And she said, you're going to love this guy. He's going to be great. And we hired him and he was a little quiet in the interview and, but he was strongly recommended and she said, you're going to, everyone's going to love him. And so he came in and the first couple of weeks we said, this guy's not going to make it. He's really quiet. And, oh man, it's, it was like, and she goes, I don't know what's happening. He, at, you know, when I'm, when I go to church with him, he's bubbly, he's he's loud and he comes to work and he's just quiet and he's, he clams up and he's scared. And I, you know, I was worried because I would hate if this didn't work out, you know? And so I'm going to say his name because I hope someday he'll listen to this, but his <laughs> name was Jordan Avney. And the reason it's funny is because he eventually became our training director, but he didn't start well. <laughs> and there was a breaking point. There was a point where everything changed. We had done an outing and I don't know what it was. It was a park day or a beach day. And he went to that and he made all these friends he came back to work the next week and was a different person. It was as if that the only thing holding him back was he just, he was nervous or whatever it was. But the moment that he had friends, he could relax and he could enjoy himself. And now that he had friends around him, now that he could, he could start actually treating guests like they were friends as well. And we got a completely different person. He came alive. He passed his 30 day checklist, you know, with, smashing success and went on to the next checklist and the next checklist and eventually took over training for the whole thing. It was a great story. And we always would talk about, man, remember when you started, like what happened? He's like, I don't know. I was nervous. So it's really, it was kind of a powerful thing just for productivity and for retention. These outings were doing something great to get people locked in and connected into the team so that they felt like they were doing work with really good friends. So expediting that, you know, that level of friendship. And we now do, what's the requirement for, as you're planning outings? 
How often do we do them? At least quarterly. Quarterly. And that's a system. That's my system. I say quarterly outings. So as soon as one outing's done, what's the next one? And, you know, you guys have to meet and... Mm-hmm. It's on our month-end list. So we did this one outing recently. It was about a year ago. We went to a hockey game. And after the outing, whoever was left, and I think there was like 20 or 30 of us, uh, all went to this place to eat. It was about midnight, and we were all on the patio outside this place. And I remember we were taking up like five tables. And there was this feeling that I got. And I remember back when I was in high school, and I had first joined this like youth group. And I had gone to school with these people, and I kind of knew these people. But on this night, I went to this youth group, and we played games. And there was like this vulnerability where I got to know people, you know, like these games where you kind of end up in teams. And then we did a scavenger hunt, and it was fun. And I remember at the end of the night going like, man, I have new best friends. And it was such an exciting feeling that like these people are going to be my close friends. And I remember seeing, I couldn't wait to see them the next day at school. And it was weird because I see them every day at school. And they, it didn't matter. But in that night, they became like my new best friends. And I remember looking across the patio th- and seeing all these kids eating together at like midnight. And I remember I got that feeling of they're looking at each other going, you know, we work together every day, but I feel like I just made new best friends. And I just saw it happen. I could, you know, it was really neat. And it's a really powerful thing. It's one thing to work together side by side and be in the trenches. But when the the real best friend stuff happens when you don't have to be together and you're there afterwards, you know, sometimes late at night and you're just talking about nothing. And it's a, it's a really cool thing. So we try and take that and use it and be intentional about it and do it regularly because we know what it does to the team. It locks them together. It builds trust and everything in the business is easier when people trust each other. Yeah, and that goes for any business. So I understand that we're kind of a, an enigma where we deal with pretty much teenagers, young 20s, and it can't have that youth group feel. But there are businesses out there, and it's all adults, like working adults. And the biggest thing, as far as outings are concerned, it's away from you know, the store or the business or the workplace. There's no pressure. There's no guests or like intensity. It's really just a time for them to One of my mix. favorite memories at Home Depot was a softball game. And we were all adults, and it was like a softball game against another store. And uh, I actually, I, I built myself up. I told him like I was this really good softball player. So, so leading up to <laughs> Why it. Why did you do that? So, so leading up to it, I had told them, I'm like, oh man, you, you get ready. They used to call me Catfish York. And I made my own <laughs> nickname. I used to be Scorum Gorum. So. Okay. Well, so I, so I told him, yeah, I'm, Catfish York's going to be there. The first time I got up to bat. I hit the ball. It was like a grounder and I ran as fast as I could and I totally pulled my hamstring. Oh my gosh. There was so much pressure for me to like deliver up to this, this name that uh, it was, and I, I think I got out and I was, it was a good thing I got out because I had pulled my muscle and I couldn't run anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hobbles back to the dugout. So, but you're right. I mean, even if uh, adults, it's not a, it's not a youth thing. It's not a fast food thing. That is just a human thing of wanting to get to know people that you work with on a, on a better level. It's pretty cool. So the next thing that we started doing a, a few years in, I had heard this whenever I go to the Chick-fil-A corporate office and they would say, our goal is to make a big company feel small. They said, we're growing so fast that we have to be intentional about making a big company feel small. And one of the things that they would do is they would say, if you're ever in an elevator, like you have to talk to each other. 
and that they would be intentional. It was a pretty cool thing. That is cool. So I decided that I wanted to kind of do something similar in, I want to make a big company feel small. So I came up with this idea of what if I put together like a card and I call them bio cards and it had everybody's information. So if you were working and you just met somebody, you could go in the break room and you could kind of stalk them, the, <laughs> stalk their profile. In the early days, it actually had, if you have a nickname, we put your nickname on there <laughs> and you, your favorite saying or verse or quote your favorite candy, your favorite movie, your favorite sports team. We had a bunch That's of stuff. That's awesome, but how big were these cards? Well, we, first of all, we only had like 25 people, so <laughs> it wasn't a big company yet. Like I can't, can't even imagine. That was very small. Eight right and a half by 11. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we had all these cards, and yeah, we've, we've simplified them down. But we still, to this day, now in the break room, we have this whole wall of all these bio cards. And the goal is that you walk in and you look at all these things and you go, it's manageable. It's the whole team is in one page, you know, one wall. And yeah, if you want to get to know someone, you kind of, oh, I just met this person. And oh, like I, and I think one time somebody had mentioned that in my favorite movie. I, I don't know what it was at the time, but they, a brand new team member said, oh, hey. And I, and he said, Maybe it was Gladiator or something. He's like, Gladiator, huh? And I was like, what? Your bio card. And I was like, wow, people actually read those. That's pretty cool. But there was this idea that everyone's photo was on the wall. And that's the bigger thing that I started to stumble upon. It started with the bio card, but then it was this idea that everybody kind of had a place. Their, their photo had a place in the building. So it wasn't long till we started putting these pictures up that I had started to realize the value of these photos. And I tell operators this, this quote of home is where you hang your picture, right? And think of all the places in your life that your picture is hung. It's probably at your parents' house. It's, you know, maybe at your grandparents' house, in-laws' house. If you're really involved at church, maybe your picture is held there. But I want this to be a place where everyone who, who works here, their picture is on the wall and that they feel that, you know, home is where you hang your picture and that this is a second home and a place that feels like home to them. So we use photos a lot. And I had gotten a new camera like 2011. And I set up my camera to do like this portrait in the dining room. And this was, we do portraits now. And, and we have, we take portraits through the, through the dining room. And I'll share a photo of that on our Instagram, which is. One more time, at love works here. And um, so I sat down and I had this chair and I put the camera up and I was going to do a portrait. And I'd never done this before, so I kind of just set it up, and I was like, I don't know who I'm going to take a picture of, but this is a nice camera, and I'm going to try and do this portrait thing. Got to get my money's worth. Yeah, and so I sat down in the chair, and I couldn't, like, take the, the camera. I was like, maybe I'll put it on timer, but it was weird because everyone's just kind of watching me, and like, what's Sean doing in the corner in the chair with the <laughs> photo? And So anyway, this girl was leaving, and her name was Esther. Now, Esther is was somebody at the time that worked in the kitchen. She did not speak English very well at all. Very sweet, beautiful smile, but you couldn't really um, communicate that well with her. So I just kind of said, hey, uh, and I was trying to tell her, can, can I take a photo? You know, can I, it's, it's for nothing. I just, I'm trying to, you know, whatever. So she sits down and I set up the camera and I start talking to her because she looks really scared and intimidated, of course. And so I, so I, and I had my finger on the button and I start talking to her and I said, so are you going home today? And with with the best Spanish I could. Uh, and I guess my Spanish isn't that good. So she, it made her smile. And she started, we talked about something and we both started laughing and I just kept clicking away, clicking away. And later I went and got all the photos and I processed them and I put them in black and white. And I looked at these photos and I was like, Oh my goodness. 
it looks so good. And the camera was pretty good. The photo was pretty good. But what was amazing is I captured Esther and the joy, like so much joy. And it was like those that really knew her knew that like, wow, that's totally her. Now, most people that have ever met her would would never have seen that side of her. And I just, I had this thought like, people need to see this. They need to see how much joy, you know, is, is that their food is prepared with this, this by these people. And so I, I got to find a way to put this on the wall. And I, I just, you know what, I'm going to start taking photos of people and I'm going to put those to the dining room. And, you know, there's a thing in Chick-fil-A that the founder, Truett Cathy had. And, and he said, you know, when you go to the Ritz Carlton, they say, it's my pleasure. And he said, people are people. We don't have to be at the Ritz Carlton to treat people that way. We could say it's my pleasure, you know, too. And this was way back in the 90s and nobody was doing that except for the Ritz Carlton. But it was this idea that we could treat people like the Ritz Carlton treat them. And so this idea was what if I treated my team members like a celebrity? So we started doing that where I would set the camera up at an angle and then I would talk to them and through the course of the conversation, eventually I would usually say, tell me about your most embarrassing Chick-fil-A story. <laughs> and they usually, it's a story when they drop, you know, a whole bucket of lemonade on their head or something like that. And then they start laughing. And if they don't, then I tell them my most embarrassing Chick-fil-A story, yeah, gets them every time. which is like spilling milkshake base all over my face. And you know, like the, it's just a mess. And so hopefully one of those makes them laugh. And in that I come up with this portrait that really captures like their soul and you know we put it on the wall and that was this idea that that even in a job at minimum wage that's tough that they are valued here that they don't just show up and work here but they're celebrated here and that their their photo was worth taking and putting on the wall and so that was an important thing you can call that a system or an idea but it's special everybody it's a human thing yeah. And I mean, a lot of those pictures, literally at home, your picture might be on the fridge and it's a terrible picture or just like, you know, off a disposable camera. So even if, you know, there's no professional photographer in a business, like a workplace. Yeah. There can still be. You don't have to wall. have a fancy camera. Yeah. Now I did because I wanted to make sure that they were professional. They were going in our dining room, but we have in our break room. Uh, the next thing I'll talk about event photos. Now, every time we go into an event, whether it's uh, event night, like a princess night or family night where, you know, we have a photo booth or anything Cow like appreciation that. Day. Cow appreciation day. <laughs> we brought the camera and the Christmas party and beach day. We always got to make sure we have a camera. We get a lot of photos because just like I want quarterly outings, I want quarterly photos in the break room refreshed. I want new photos, active photos to where anyone can walk into the break room and look on the wall and say, wow, I can't wait to join this family. You know, it's a great opportunity to put photos up of people laughing, smiling, being friends, lifelong friends. You know, you perpetuate all of the Like whatever you put on the wall, you get more of, you know, it, it reinforces who we are by putting those photos up. You know, there's a really interesting thing about memories. And I hope that someday we'll be able to bring somebody in here who like does psychology and stuff. Cause I don't, I'm not, I got like a D in psychology, but <laughs> I never took it. So, okay, great. We're amongst good company here. <laughs> so, but this idea, so we were doing uh, Christmas parties every year and we would take photos every year. Well, there was this one year, it was between when I got my new camera and I had my old camera and I didn't have a camera. And that year, you know, we, uh, we were trying to figure out where was the Christmas party that year. 
And so we're like, where are the photos of that year? And so every year we said, oh, this, this year was at the marketing director's house. This year was at my house. And I remember 2013, we had it at this church. And then it, we had it at this event center. Like we knew where every party was. We even knew, like, I remember what I wore to that event. And we had all these details. But this one year we could not, it was like a mind block of like, where was the party in 2011 or whatever. And it, was, it drove me crazy. I started searching my hard drive for all the photos in 2011, looking through my iPhone, like, to, you know, driving me crazy. And finally, it was Christine looked on her Facebook photo album and found some photos. And she said, I found out where the, the party was. She told me. And all she had was like five or ten photos. And they were buried like, you know, nine years ago or whatever in an album. And so this idea that we realized was the only reason we had all those memories was because we took pictures of them. And the one year that we didn't have photos, we had zero memories. And it was actually scary because it was like, what things? Like, is the only reason we remember this beach day because we took photos and we put them on the wall? And what if we didn't? Like, all those memories are gone. And it kind of makes you think about your whole life of like, think about the things that I never took photos of are gone. They're just gone. And if I tried to recall them, like I couldn't. A lot of the memories that you have as a baby aren't really your memories. They're just the, the pictures that, you know, your mom had in the, in the photo album. That's really true. Like going through my own. Yeah, it's crazy. Memories right now. I'm like, I have that picture. I have so that picture. So that being said, photos are Take important. Take the picture. <laughs> yeah. So we put photos up and I get like, I'm, I'm like all about it. And so the, the, the event we'll have tomorrow at Beach Day. Definitely have my camera, definitely be there because we have to capture these things. So that's really important. We also, at the end of the year, we do a culture book every year. And actually, the culture books are right behind me. And we do all these podcasts and we do video as well. It's on YouTube somewhere. You have to find it. It's a mystery. But <laughs> we don't all, advertise that part because no. I look crazy. <laughs> the audio is better than the video. <laughs> but uh, uh, behind me are the two culture books from last year. And so I have actually a stack of culture books from the last eight years. But at the end of the year, we do a culture book. And we got that idea from Zappos. I have here Zappos culture book right here from 2009. And that was when I was inspired to do my own culture book. So we do that every year. Just go on Shutterfly, take all the photo albums that we've used all through the year. And we put them together and make a book. Yeah, so. those pictures are too good to only post one time. Yeah. And you made the last one. And I, I typically made them for years. And then this last year, you made one. Christine made one. And... They're great. And you guys made better culture books than I did. So, Oh, that's not true. I'm not hurt at all. <laughs> We're going to talk about next moments that matter. Okay. So we read this book. I started we reading about it. the most books earlier. I started reading this book and I, I stopped and I said, more people need to hear this because it is challenging everything that I think. And this is the Heath brothers, uh, Chip and Dan Heath, the power of moments. It is right here behind me, this blue book. And the Power of Moments. I started reading it, and they talk about this experiment where you got to read this book. It's, I think it was the first one that you made me read, but it was life-changing. Yeah. So, I mean, really like this idea right off the bat in the book is they're talking about this experiment where this they put the person's hands in cold water, and then they take the – it's freezing cold, and they take their hands out, and it's so cold – and then they do the same, th you know, so, so for like a minute. And then they do the same experiment where they put the hands in the water and then they leave them in there for a minute and a half. But in the last like 30 seconds, they warm the water up. And then they say like, which 
experiment would you prefer to do again? And they would say, the one with the warm water. And the idea was, like, you had your hands in cold water for the same amount of time, but you actually had it in longer the second time. It doesn't matter. Time is arbitrary. What matters is how it starts and how it finishes. And so this whole idea of moments, of you, have, you don't have to nail all the moments. They give us three moments that really matter. They talk about milestones. They talk about transitions and pits. Milestones are like your anniversary, your birthday. Your transitions are when you get promoted, you know, your first day of the job, uh, when you're leaving the job. And then the pits are the tragedies in your life that happen. Those are all things that you remember, those three things. Now, where this meets us, we started talking about, you know, there was a time that we had to nail all these moments and we realized they don't remember a lot of them. And we're putting all this effort into things that they're not even remembering. If you ask a team member, and this could be in any job, when was the last time you broke the record? You know, it could be a drive through record, a sales record. It could be the most TPS reports made in one day or whatever. The last time you broke the record, tell me about that. And they'll say, oh, I think I'm pretty sure it was a Friday. It was pretty hot outside. Uh, who was working? Um, this person, that person. How many cars? I, I think it was this many cars. I don't really, you know. Okay, fair enough. Tell me about your last birthday. Okay, I got up like 8.15 because I was going to get up at 8, but then I slept in. And then I got a call. I got a text from this person. And then I went to coffee with this person and this person. And then we went to the mall and we got our nails done. And th they can walk you through the whole thing. So this, is, I, this idea that on their birthday, on the moments that matter to them, they're hitting the record button. But all the moments that matter maybe to the operator, to the business, to everything else, they don't even care. I mean, they care. But the fact is, their brain is going to erase these memories, you know, within the year. But they're hitting record on these important memories to them. So as long as they're hitting record, we need to be in there with them. We need to be part of that day, part of that memory. If they work on their birthday, they get a birthday cake, Instagram post. Of with course, the, there's a photo. There's a photo. And we... But if you don't want to work on your birthday, that's okay. But if you do, we celebrate you. And we find that some people actually would prefer to work on their birthday because they like being celebrated. And so we know that's an important day. When we started thinking about that, these moments that matter, this vision came out of that. And it was, there are three days that are most important to the team member. The day they get their name tag, the day their name tag changes, and the day they take off their name tag. And we need to make sure that we're nailing each of those moments, that each of them are celebrated equally. So for us, we make a really big deal when they get their name tag now. After having read this book, this is a big moment, and it's as big as we make it. And we will get into that. I think we'll probably do, we're going to do, we have to do another episode just on all the moments that we do, because we do a lot of fun stuff with these Knowing that they're hitting the record button, oh, we milk it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The transition in orientation, it's so much fun. But we realized really quickly something that was so routine for us because we were doing, you know, at some points orientation a couple times a month. So it's like, okay, got to get through this. But to realize like, no, this team member is coming in and they're, they are, they're pressing record from the second that they walk in the building on their very first day. So we learned how to capitalize on it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun when you know that the work you're doing is being remembered. The title of this is Family. And when you're at home and it's your birthday, your family makes a big deal about that. We can't suddenly become your family member, but we can be intentional about celebrating these moments as your family would. And we have to do that. That's important. If it's important to you, it needs to be important to us as leaders. Like I said, we'll do an episode just on these moments, but another fun one 
is making the tough days the fun days. And so think about the, the, the days that nobody wants to come to work, right? Like, so Christmas Eve and Halloween, like everyone wants to be out, you know, doing, you know, stuff on Halloween, whatever. And those are tough to staff. And so some of the things that we've done is say like, what if, just this vision, what if like the toughest days of staff turned into the, the fun days that nobody wanted to miss, you know? What if we could take their birthday and everybody would say, I want to work on my birthday. That's the one thing I want to do. I want to make sure I go to work on my birthday. What do we have to change in the business to flip that around to work to our advantage where people want to work on their birthday? What do we have to do to make sure that people go, you do not want to miss Halloween? How do we achieve the fear of missing out? So Cal Appreciation Day is the craziest day. And, you know, it gets crazy because it's just, it's this, a lot of hoopla and noise and, you know, clutter. And it's just, it's a wild day. Maybe I'd want to avoid that because it gets a little bit, you know, ruckus. (laughs) And so you have done a great job, uh, both stores, you and Christina, of it's Cal Appreciation Day. I heard someone say this, and this wasn't one of my rules. I don't know if you made it up or one of the team members just created it. But she said, it's Cal Appreciation Day. So everyone is required to wear something with cow print. (laughs) It doesn't matter where you wear it. But you have to wear something. Sometimes you have to stretch the truth a little bit. (laughs) And I was like, this is not a requirement at all. But for them, it was like, okay, what am I going to do? Should I put it on my arm? Should I put it? And it was like these wacky things that people were coming up with. These guys putting, it was like a, you know, karate. Like ninjas, yeah. Yeah. And, but it made it, it was just a fun thing. My favorite is always the tie, the cow print tie that they just made. They made out of a strip of. You know, they do a great job. Cut material. So anyway, it's it's really fun to see them. But we'll do. We should do a whole episode just on this and talk about all the crazy stories that we have of f- good things and failed things. <laughs> We've definitely tried to make things special and they just fall flat. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, you can't win them all. No. Nah. So I worked at Home Depot. As my story is, um, as the story goes, yeah. Back when I was working at Home Depot, you had different departments and each department. So you have like HR is in their own little office, you know, that they have. And then the schedule maker and then you have, you know, these uh, safety team and everything. And when they need to communicate something to the team, they put it on the time clock. Now, this doesn't come from the store manager. It comes from like this side manager who, who might spend a lot of time in an office and doesn't connect as much with the team. And so it was funny because on this time clock, you would get sometimes really abrasive messages from somebody like you don't even know, you know, (laughs) and it was like they were tired of dealing with people, you know, not clocking out on their break. So they're like the next time somebody dot, 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 dot. And it was like, oh, my gosh, how abrasive. (laughs) And, you know, you, you have this time clock that's already like a water cooler. So everyone's standing around talking about and now they're talking about this person who wrote the note. But now it's this negative note right before they clock in and deal with customers. <laughs> but it, it's this idea of if we have something bad to say, like don't put that in a place that you give people the opportunity to just trash talk you, you know, or trash talk the system or, or whatever. So we call it perpetuating the positive. Take your break room or the area that whatever's your water cooler area and look at everything and say everything on the wall Whatever you put on the wall, you get more of. So let's put positive things. Let's put people smiling, laughing, having fun, uh, good stories, all these things that are that perpetuate the good things in the business. If we have something bad to tell them, tell them face-to-face. Put it somewhere else. Put it somewhere else where we say, hey, you're clocking in. Come here. I want to talk to you. 
and, and tell them face to face, even if you have your leaders do it and you break up those groups into smaller groups, but you don't need to put negative stuff on the wall. And that was something that I would tell any business. Let me look around your business. Let me look around your walls. And I can tell just by looking at the walls, I can read your culture. And, and if you go into a business and there's a bunch of signs on the walls of people yelling at people, it's not a good sign. You don't need to do that. People don't need to be yelled at on the walls. You can have conversations. So perpetuating the positive is an important part of that family. That is a little bit of removing some of the tension and adding in positivity and all the things that foster growth and relationships. The last thing we're going to talk about is the use of social media. So because pictures, because pictures, yes. <laughs> Again, this comes back to pictures. pictures we're still are so, talking about the pictures. Uh, we were starting to grow our followers on Instagram. And so we were trying to get, you know, grow this fan base. And so I remember going into like every Chick-fil-A Instagram and like liking their photos, hoping that that would like garner more. I remember you gave followers. me a whole strategy like, when you took over you our get store. More followers. And it was like, like everything and follow everything. And you end up with a group of all these followers from all over the country of people that, you know, may or may not like just bots and stuff that <laughs> may or may not. Hashtag follow for follow. Yeah. So anyway, we were doing that and we started posting stuff. And, and I think I remember posting something about like there was a team member uh, holding a milkshake or something. We did like a profile thing and it got all these likes and it was really cool and it, it got a bunch. And I went through and I looked at the likes and I was like, man, this got like 50 likes and that was big for us. And I went through and I was just, these are all team members. They're all our <laughs> team members. They're team members. There's a couple of customers, but, and it was like Instagram, this is a marketing thing and we're trying to grow the business and, and market the business. These are just our team members. And Lo and behold, when we posted something with team members, we would get a bunch of likes by all their friends. And all their comments, too. And then when it was food, our team members would be like, yeah, whatever, you know. And we get the customers would chime in and, you know, a couple customers. And I just said, okay. So I made a rule. And I said, anything we post has to have a person. Because we get more likes with people, even if it's our own people. It has to have a person. So if we're going to be talking about a seasonal offer, a new, the peach milkshake is coming back. Don't just take a picture of the milkshake, have someone holding the milkshake because we'll get more likes. Eventually we started doing, you know, if some, if someone's maybe someone's birthday or, or something happened, like they graduated or they, you know, had won the Chick-fil-A scholarship, you know, those got a lot more. And so at one point, like the light bulb came on my head and I just said, what if, a fast food restaurant that served food had an Instagram account and we stopped posting pictures of food. No more food. People that follow us, they know who we are. They know what we serve. We don't have to remind them. Let's just tell stories about people. And those became really powerful. And those actually spread beyond just our team. Those started, people in the community started because good stories are good stories. In time, this idea that our Instagram should just be, imagine a family photo album. Do people still do family photo albums? No. Oh. Everything's online or, or not online, on their phone. Okay. Well. On the computer. I hope this is still relevant. <laughs> so anyway, that's what the feed should feel like, is this is a, a, a family photo album. And so now, I mean, if you look at our, go through our Instagram, and this is at uh, CFA crossings at CFA HVP. These are our two, two stores and it's the graduates when they graduate, it's people getting married. It's people 
getting promoted. It's all these moments that matter in their lives. And we're taking them, we're capturing them, and we're using our platform to share these, these moments. And there is a cool benefit of this. When we have new team members, we said that first day they get their name tag is important. We bring these new people in, you take the photo, you put it on Instagram, and the team member knows they're going to be featured on Instagram, so, so they follow what? us. New followers. And they follow it, and they get all these likes, and guess who the likes are? They're all their future friends. These are all... and so Also their family members, though. So right away, you have this instant connection, and it's kind of a cool thing that we do. That's That was a side benefit of that. You know, we went through all these culture statements that we do. On, on the next episode, we'll talk about culture statements that they actually write out what Chick-fil-A means to me. And a, a, a theme that comes out more and more and more, like the, the, the top theme is this is a second family, a second home. And so we work really hard to perpetuate that. And you can see it all through their culture statements, it, all through this, this book here is this is like my second family. And so much so that we came up with a motto in our store. We are a team that feels like family. In a place that feels like home. Yes. Anyway, that is family. Yeah. But I this, feel like if we missed anything too, like I know for us, outings yeah. is a word we say all the time. And I feel like I've never heard it outside Chick-fil-A. But if there's anything that we said that you might have a question on or anything like that, the at love works here. Instagram is a prime place to just direct message if we yeah. said something that wasn't quite clear, because yeah. I feel like we might have done that. And if you have something good to say, then the <laughs> podcast review, that's where you would say that. But yeah, any, give us a chance before we get to that. Any bad feedback, send it to the Instagram. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. This was the Love Works Here podcast, episode five, family. Stay tuned next episode for a higher purpose. Mm-hmm.